Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. This morning we talked about the basics. We talked about healing in the Old Testament. Then we talked about the ministry of the keys uh, to the healing ministry of Jesus. And uh, now I want to carry on with this. I want to talk to you about the whipping post and the cross. Now you have to remember that when we talk about things like healing, all healing flows from the cross. Because the Bible says by his stripes. We are healed. And the two key words there are his stripes. Stripes were the, the stripes were the, when his back was whipped and flayed, that whipping endured and the, you know, they put stripes on his back. So those are, you know, the stripes. And we are healed by his stripes. So uh, I think sometimes we talk, you know, in the churches, when we talk about healing, we talk about in the context of, oh, somebody's coming, he has a healing ministry, you know. So uh, people, if, if, you, if you bring a preacher uh, who is known for healings in his meetings, everybody shows up, you know. And so it, it's really, you know, it becomes about a man and his anointing and his ministry. And God uses men, don't get me wrong, God uses people. But it's not really about people. It's not really about a man, it's not about his anointing, but it is his stripes. So healing flows from the cross. And, and uh, you know, any kind of ministry, uh, it has to flow from the cross. So we have to remind ourselves on that. So that's why I want to talk about the whipping post and the cross, because that tells us about the redemptive work of Christ. Amen. And we see that Isaiah 53 uh, verses four and five, and uh, and then First Peter two twenty four. If we look at First Peter two twenty four first, before we go to Isaiah, uh, and it says in First Peter two twenty four, it says, "Who in his own flesh, Amen, bore bore our sins upon his own self, and." Um, and then it says that by his stripes, we were healed. By the wounds on his back, we were healed. And Isaiah 53 tells us what happened on that day. It says, surely he has borne our diseases and carried our pains. And then it says, but we deemed him, you know, smitten by God. And, and says, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we were healed. And if you go to the Gospels, let's look at the Gospel. Uh, uh, let's look at the Gospel of Mark. Uh, in the Gospel of Mark, um, it talks about uh, if you go to chapter fifteen, and um, you know, uh, let's see. Yeah, in verse 15. And so Pilate, willing to content the people, released Barabbas into them and delivered Jesus when he had scourged him to be crucified. And, you know, just four words or five words, when he had scourged him. But I, I, want, to, I want you to understand what happened was that uh, the, the Romans uh, had... A, a, an, an instrument of torture known as a flagrum. And a flagrum was a, was a whip made of ox hide, ox leather, and uh, with nine belts of thick leather. And each belt of leather had sharp pieces of metal and bone on it. And, uh, you know, the whipping the, uh, that people used to get from it, uh, many people wouldn't even survive that whipping. They, people would die. Those who were strong would often pass out under the whipping and they'd pour water on them, revive them so they could whip them, they, they could continue whipping them. And the Romans' practice was to whip them 39 times. 
13, I don't know where that comes from, why it was 39, but they used to whip them with 39 cuts of the whip. And that's what happened because they wanted, uh, you know, the, uh, they wanted Jesus to be killed. And so Jesus uh, was given to the soldiers. Pilate gave him to the soldiers and the soldiers took Jesus and they took his shirt off and they tied him up and they took their flagrum and they began to whip him. And with each cut of that whip, pieces of flesh and, and skin would be torn off his back. And, and, and the blood began to flow and they whipped him and they whipped him and they whipped him so hard that the psalmist says that plowmen have plowed my back and I made long furrows. His whip, his back looked like a field that had been plowed. And you could see, you can just imagine Jesus standing there. His back looks like a field that has been plowed with pieces of flesh and skin torn off his back on the ground around him and blood just pouring from his wounds. And that is what the Bible is referring to when it says by those stripes, by his stripes, by those wounds, we have been healed. Now, because I'm describing this because I want you to understand the immensity of the price that the Lord Jesus paid so that we can be healed. Uh, the cost, it was a, it cost him something. It wasn't something cheap. It wasn't something he just said, oh, I want to heal the sick. But this was, this was something uh, which was, I mean, there was such a price paid for our healing. And after that, you know, they crowned him with thorns and thorns are actually symbolic of the curse that is on this earth because of Adam and Eve's sin. And when Jesus wore that crown of thorns, he actually became a curse for us. Every curse that could ever be upon us was put upon him. And the curse of poverty, the curse of separation from God, the curse of death. I mean, any curse, you can, generational curses that people talk about, every single curse you can imagine uh, that the Bible says can ever come upon a human being for any reason was put upon Jesus. So he bore our diseases and, and, and he carried our pains. And the interesting thing is that where he says he bore our diseases, that word Bore is the Hebrew word, uh, uh, Hebrew word nasa, which means to come to somebody who's carrying a burden and to pick up that burden off of that person upon your own self and to remove it to a distance. So when it says that Jesus bore our diseases, it means that he came to us and took our diseases and our infirmities off us upon his own self as our substitute and carried it away from us. So that's what it means. And then he says, you know, King James, it says he bore our griefs and carried our sorrows. Actually, the word there is words that are holy and makob, which means physical diseases and physical pains. So the Lord Jesus bore our physical diseases and uh, he bore our physical pains and bore them in our stead as our substitute. And he took them away from us. So, you know, that is the, um, that is the foundation of healing. Uh, and, and not, uh, you know, that, okay, God wants to heal the sick because God is good. And, you know, and so let us bring in somebody who has a healing gift. It's more than that. So if you understand the immensity of the price that was paid, it's such a central thing. The other thing is that Jesus bore our diseases and carried our sins at the same time in the same place. As sin and disease both came because of the sin of Adam. So in the same way, sin and disease both have their, uh, their solution in Jesus Christ. And so then they, then they crowned him with thorns and then they beat him. Isaiah 52 says they beat him with sticks and his face was disfigured beyond recognition. And then Isaiah 53 says that he was beaten. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. In other words, he was beaten so that we might have peace. So you can see that during those hours, um, Jesus was meeting all our needs. Our need for healing, our need for peace, 
our need to be delivered from the curse. All that. And then they made him carry the cross to Calvary where they crucified him. And when he hung upon that cross, God took all of our sins, all the sins of all mankind, and put them upon Jesus. So we see that upon the cross and that sequence of events from that whipping post to the cross, Jesus took upon himself our physical and mental and emotional diseases and infirmities. He took upon himself every curse that could ever befall us. He took upon himself all of our sins, everything, everything he provided for, and he paid a terrible price for it. And that is why this must be preached, because of the price he paid. And, but, but you got to understand, as I said when I started this, that whenever, you know, when it comes to ministry, ministry to the sick and people who are oppressed, it always flows from the cross. If we want to see people healed, we must tell them the price that Jesus paid for their healing. We, we must tell people. We must tell people about the cross. People must hear about the cross. People must hear about the price that Jesus paid so that they can be healed. Because only then they can have faith. People can have faith only if they hear of the price that Jesus paid for them. So that's why we have to preach these things. So anyway, so, um, so we see this is what happened at the whipping post and at the cross. Okay, now let's, um, now let's move on to the next point. You know, when COVID-19 started, when COVID-19 started, you know, this is America. <laughs> Whenever something starts, no matter what it is, it always gets political. You know? And, and it, people go crazy about things. So I, I realize, look, this is a disease. I'm not an, I don't have an MD after my name. So <laughs> I'm not a Facebook scientist, you know? So I, <laughs> I, I can't say one or the other. I'm dependent upon what I hear and, and, and do what I do. You know what the first thing I did? Uh, the closest I have to an expert who I know is my family doctor. I asked, doctor, what do you think, right? And our doctor is a good, we go to a good Christian clinic. My wife is an RN, she worked there for some time. And these are good Christian people. They're sincere, they have no agenda. They want to help people. So, I mean, nobody's perfect. So I thought, the closest thing I have to an expert is my doctor, right? He knows more than I do. I didn't do well in science at school, so I'm not. So, so I, I realized, okay, this is a disease. Now, I don't know how bad it is and all that, but it is a disease. People are getting sick and people are dying, and I know people who have died. I know pastors who have died and all that. So I decided, you know, you don't know all the facts. Then there's all these voices. Some are saying, oh, it's a hoax. Others are saying, you know, you hear all these things. So you've got to say, okay, ultimately there's one thing where we can take a stand. And that's the word of God. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, uh, because you were hearing things that made sense. Then you were hearing things from people who were on another planet. So, you know, you're hearing all this. And so you say, okay. Who do I believe? But the sad thing is that there were people who were credible people, preachers with good ministries, and suddenly they had changed addresses to another planet. And they were saying crazy things. So you know what I mean, pastors. I mean, they're preachers who are, who are smart, intelligent. They were saying crazy things. So I thought, okay, so what do I do? I said, there's one thing you and I can always come back to, and it is this book. Everybody said, thank God for the book. Amen. This is the most sold book in all history. And there's a good reason for that. Amen. So I decided, you know, I'm going to go to the book. And I prayed. I said, Lord, give me some scriptures to stand on. Through this time of disease and suffering, all that is happening. I, I don't make sense of everything. I'm hearing different things. I said, Lord, your word is always true. Right? 
So give me a word. And the Lord gave me three scriptures. And I, I'm saying this to you. This is really has nothing to do with my subject. But this is something that will help you. Even in present times and in the future. When things happen. The first thing you should do. And say Lord give me a word to stand on. Because when God gives you a word. Believe me. You hold on to it. It's going to carry you through. And the first scripture the Lord gave me was Isaiah 53, 4 and 5. Now, I'm, God may have spoken to you, given you other scriptures, but the good thing about scriptures is that nobody has a monopoly on the Bible. I can't say, these are my verses. You know, if you want to speak them, you have to send me a royalty or something. <laughs> well, you can send me a royalty if you want to. But that's another thing. You know, don't have to. But, you know, nobody has a monopoly. You can use the scriptures. Anybody, anywhere in the world can because this, the word of God is for everybody. So Isaiah 53, 4 and 5, it says, But it was our pain he took, our diseases were put on him. While to us he seemed as one disease. I'm using this translation. It's, a, it's called the Bible in basic English. It's very easily understood. It says, while to us he seemed as one diseased on whom God's punishment had come. But it's for, it was for our sins he was wounded and for our evil doings he was crushed. He took the punishment by which we have peace and by his wounds we are made well. That was the first verse that the Lord gave me. The second verse is Romans 8, 11. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells in you. That means the Holy Spirit lives in me. And because the Holy Spirit lives in me, one of the works of the Holy Spirit in me is to infuse life and strength and health to me. And the third verse was Romans 8, 2. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus had made me free from the law of sin and death. Now, so when the Lord give, gave me this verse, you know what I did? I spoke these words every single day the past two years through this COVID season. Spoke them over myself and over my family, my children, my grandchildren. I spoke the word. And I've encouraged others that these are the scriptures. Just stand on the word. You know, don't, because it's easy to complain. It's easy to let your mind wander here and there and, and, and forget that our first and last line of defense is the word of God. Amen. So I decided to do that. So we have been speaking the word of God all along. And then there was a time, you know, when I was home before I started traveling. And, but that, I'm not saying you have to do these things. But, you know, there are some things you must do. One thing we did was uh, people would write to us. People would write to me on Facebook, send me emails and on the phone asking for prayer requests. requests because... And because you know what? And this astounding thing, it's like the devil has unleashed diseases upon the earth. It's not just COVID. People dying of cancers. You know that, Pastor. It's amazing. I've, I've never seen so many people who, who are battling cancers and other diseases at this time. So I understood. There's the, so what we did, my wife and I, we made a prayer list. We had names of people. And every evening before we went to bed, we would read those names. We would pray for each one of them by name. And then we would take communion. We would take communion. We did that. And then, you know, I speak the word of God. So, but what I, my point is that we have to do something. God will put something in your heart. And you stay with it and speak the word. Because that is our first and final line of defense against disease and against infirmity. It's the word of God. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Okay, anyway. Um, now, we are talking about ministering to the sick. When it comes to ministering to the sick, there are, there are two uh, fundamental, I should say, maybe platforms or ways to minister to the sick. One is under the anointing, by the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And the other is by the word. By the gifts of the Holy Spirit under the anointing or by the word. Now, there are some fundamental differences between the two. When it comes to people getting healed through the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the general premise is that people don't need to have personal faith to be healed through the gifts of the Holy Spirit. People can get healed without having any faith. 
But the problem is, very often they cannot keep that healing. You get healed through the... Someone tells you, you know, the Lord told me he's healing you, and you get healed, and, you know, you, you're not really standing on the word. I mean, it's a gift, you know. That's why it's called gifts of the Holy Spirit. These are gifts given to us. And you get healed, and two days later or the next day, some of your symptoms come back, and, and the guy, he doesn't know what to do. He, he, he says, well, my sickness has come back because he doesn't know how to stand. But the person who gets healed through the word, he knows how to stand. He knows because he, he, his, you know, he gets healed because he has been taught the word and he stands on the word, he believes on the word, and if it ever happens that symptoms come back, he can take a stand, he can say, no devil, you can't put this on me because Jesus bore my diseases and carried my pains with his stripes, I'm healed and I refuse to accept this. So he takes a stand. But the guy who gets healed through the gifts of the spirit, uh, he, he doesn't know where to take a stand because he has not been taught. So these are the fundamental differences between, now both healings are from God. And both are good, but the way I look at it after studying this, analyzing it, I, I have come to the conclusion that when, if you're going to start praying for the sick and you're going to minister to the sick, you build it on a foundation of the word of God. And the Holy Ghost will come in the anointing and the gifts of the Holy Spirit will come in to complement and to supplement that. Are you with me? So you don't base a healing ministry on, you know, on the anointing. Because look, you can, you can go to someone's meeting, they can lay hands on you, you fall on the ground, you get up and you say, I had an experience with God and, and uh, whenever the anointing comes, my hands heat up or I feel this and, and I lay hands on people who get healed and that is of God. But the problem is that the people who get healed that way, they often won't be able to keep their healing. So the best way is to build on the word. When you minister to the sick, build on the word. So when I'm invited to go to hospitals or to people's homes to pray for them, people ask me, could you come and pray? I always take my Bible with them. I always take my Bible with me. I open the Bible, I share the scripture. Because you know what? The gifts of the Holy Spirit, they may or may not be in operation. Because they move as the Father wills, as the Holy Spirit wills. I don't carry the gifts in my pocket that, that I say, okay, wait a minute, I'll pull the gifts of the Spirit out of my pocket and I begin to wave it. Okay, right now I'm ready with miracles or prophecy, you know. I got, you know, I can't pull it out of my pocket and make it happen. Like I couldn't say to all of you, okay, would you all come line up and, and I will give, I have a prophecy for each one of you. I can't do that. Well, I could make up something. Thus says Christopher Alam, you know. But you don't want to hear that. You know, you can. So what I'm saying is that, is that the, that's the fundamental thing about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, that it moves as the Holy Spirit will. But the Word, the Word is always hot. That's why Paul said to Timothy, preach the Word in season or out of season. Doesn't matter what the situation is, the Word is always powerful. Whenever somebody opens the Bible and begins to speak the word of God, the word of God is always red hot and ready to go. The Holy Spirit doesn't control it. I control it because I have the Bible in my hand. I can open it at any time and speak the word. So that is your best tool is this book. So if you're going to start praying for the sick, and you're going to build, you know, a ministry where you pray for the sick, do it with this book. Amen. So don't worry, because some people say, oh, I need this gift of the Holy Spirit, and, 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 and you don't know where to look for it, where to get it. Although the Bible says that we should covet earnestly the best gift. But you know, you know how the gifts of the Holy Spirit come to us? They come to us as we give ourselves to practicing the word. If we ignore the word and we're waiting for the gifts to come, we want the anointing to come, it doesn't come that way. But if we begin to minister the word of God and we begin to preach the word of God and share the word of God and build people up with the word of God and go to the sick and share the scripture with them, we will find that as we do these things, the Holy Spirit comes in with the gifts. 
Because the gifts are supposed to supplement or complement the work of the word of God. Amen? So if you're going to pray for the sick, how many of you want to start praying for the sick? Okay, use the word. Build on the word. Okay? And as you build on the word, the gifts will come. Believe me, they will come. They will fall into place because God sees that you're using his word, you're serving people, and that's the proper platform for the gifts of the Holy Spirit to come in. Okay? So, uh, preach the word. So this is what I tell people. I said, just preach the word because the word always works. Preach what you know. Tell people from Isaiah 53, verses 4 and 5, 1 Peter 2, 24. You know, this is what the word of God says. Jesus bore your diseases, carried your pain. And as you do this, and as you, you lay hands on, you, you know how I began to pray for the sick was, uh, I studied, you know, Isaiah 53, 1 Peter 2, 24. And then one day I was reading last chapter of Mark and it says, and these signs shall follow them that believe. And it was like I had never seen it before. I said, these signs shall follow them that believe. So I believe. And these signs shall follow me. And what are those signs? So I looked at the sign, the first one, in my name, you know. They will cast out devils. So I begin to look for devils to cast out. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. I begin to look for sick people. To lay my hands on. So I've been, you know, I begin to practice the things that I saw in the word. You practice the things that you see in the word. And I remember, I, I just, that was the only thing I had to stand on. Bible says I shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And the fact that Jesus had borne our diseases, carried our pains with his stripes, they are healed. So I said, okay, these things working together. Jesus has borne the diseases of these people. So now I have to come in and lay my hands upon them and they shall be healed. And so I began to do that. And I remember the first people I prayed for were people with sinuses. I was an expert on sinuses. You brought somebody with sinuses, they got healed. Now you might not think that that's a big thing. But for the person who is suffering, that's a huge thing. So people with problems with sinuses got healed. And then, then it was people with back troubles. And that's when I remember I got my first word of knowledge. I, nobody taught me on the gifts of the Spirit, but then the Lord began to speak to me. I was, you know, I was always looking for opportunities to pray for the sick, to help people. And then the Lord said to me, you see this woman, she has a back injury. No, the Lord said, she has a sinus problem. So I said, do you have a sinus problem? She said, how do you know? I said, I don't know. I mean, I think the Lord told me, I just heard something. And so I prayed for her. Next day she came back. She said, you know, I also had a back injury. I never told you what. I got healed from that also. So now I had discovered something. That God can also speak to us and point out people who have diseases. And then God began to tell me things about people. This person has this. That person has that. And I would go up to them and ask them, do you have this trouble? Yeah, how do you know? I know the Lord told me. I didn't even know it was called a word of knowledge. It just came. That was later I learned that, okay, these are gifts of the Holy Spirit and this is how it worked. But it all came with me practicing what the Word taught. When you put the Word into practice, the Holy Ghost will always come and help you. Amen? So, you know, that's where you begin. So you practice the Word of God. So, now, there are, um, let's see. Um, there are eight ways for people to receive healing. And uh, these are just, the, this is just academic and these are the different ways you can use. Believing the word and receiving, Mark eleven twenty four. The second way is the prayer of agreement, Matthew eighteen nineteen. If two of you here on earth agree on anything, it shall be done for them by their Father which is in heaven. So the prayer of agreement would mean like this. So, if somebody's sick, and this is actually powerful truth, you just need one or two people with you. So I find Pastor Greg, and I say, Pastor Greg, would you agree with me? Right? And the best way to agree, now the word agree in Greek is an interesting word. It's symphonia, and that's where you get the word symphony, 
And a symphony is when you have many instruments playing the same music. It means, it actually means agreements to say the same thing. So if he and I agree, stand in agreement for you and we are praying different things, that's not agreement. So the best thing I would say, Pastor Greg, would you pray? I will agree with you. So he prays and when he finishes, I say, Amen. So I'm in agreement. You with me? And that's a powerful. I've seen many people healed because sometimes I've gotten together with someone. Okay, let's agree about this. Amen. That these are powerful things we must use. So then it says, um, yeah, believing on the word. Uh, sorry. No. The third is laying on of hands. They shall lay their hands upon the sick and they shall recover. That's another way of getting people healed. The fourth one is pray for one another that you may be healed. In fact, the whole verse says, confess your sins one to another. Boy, I don't know who wants to do that. But there, is, there are miracles that are promised. Confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. Then, number five is prayer cloths. That's from Acts 19, 11, and 12, where it says that then handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched Paul's body were sent to the sick, and when people touched them, they were healed. Now, that is one area where I've seen a lot of results. When I was teaching in Bible college in Sweden, students used to come to me and say, my mother has this, my brother has this, would you pray? And so I said, okay, bring a handkerchief. I'd pray for handkerchiefs and people began to get healed. They would send the handkerchiefs to their relatives and so we began to get testimonies from all over the place. And then I realized you could do more because I was preaching in the south of Sweden and the pastor was uh, one of my Bible school students who had graduated. So he says, brother, my, my aunt is in a mental hospital. Can you come with me to pray for her? I said, okay. So we went to the mental hospital and she, this woman was insane. She was mad. I mean, I mean, she was crazy. So as soon as I laid my hands on her, she began to scream and the staff came running. And they said, you must be one of those Christians. I said, yes. So they threw me out of the mental hospital. So because they didn't want Christians. So I said, we were sitting in the car in the parking lot. I said, can I pray with a handkerchief? He said, no, no, they don't allow handkerchiefs. They know. They know our tricks. So I said, we got to beat the devil at this game. So I said, I have an idea. We went to a supermarket. I bought a couple of chocolate bars and a couple of bananas. So I said, okay. So I, we sat in the car in the parking lot of the mental hospital, and I prayed for the bananas, prayed for the chocolate. And he went in, and after half an hour later, he came smiling. He said, it worked. She said, she took one bite of the banana, and the devils came out of her. And after I told this story in a church, people began to come to me with socks, hats, boxer shorts, underwear. I mean, people, towels, t-shirts, lottery tickets, lottery tickets. You know, it works. Uh, I remember when I, I moved to the U.S. in Lancaster, I was doing a healing service, and, and I talked about this, and, 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 and a couple of days later, I got a testimony, and a brother said, well, uh, it was a lady. She said, uh, my, no, the, a guy said, my wife was very sick at home. He couldn't come. He had a back injury, and so, uh, so I took this handkerchief, and I went and put it under her in the bed. At three o'clock in the morning, she woke up. She said, my whole body is on fire and I'm sweating. And she gets out of her bed and she was completely healed. And so the brother said, I picked up the handkerchief and it was actually hot. It was, it was hot. So he said, so we thought, we got to do something with it. So they began to go to people's homes, 3.30, 4 o'clock in the morning. People in the church who do know were sick, waking them up, putting the hot handkerchief on them and they were getting healed. So they ran around with this hot handkerchief until about eight o'clock in the morning and that's when it kind of cooled down and the miracle stopped. But these things work. Amen. Believe me, these are tools that God has given us. 
these things work. So I still pray for handkerchiefs and people still get healed. Then number six is anointing with oil. But anointing with oil is interesting. It's, it, there's an exception there because it is connected to the authority of the local church. You can't have anybody running, everybody running around with oil and anointing people. He says, any of you sick? He says, you call the elders of the church and they shall anoint you with oil. And the prayer of faith shall heal the sick and the Lord will raise him up. So anointing with oil is actually connected to the authority of the local church. You call the pastors of the local church, the elders of the church will come and anoint you with oil and God has said that you will be healed. Not only will you be healed, but if you have sin in your life, they will be forgiven. Amen. Then seven is Holy Communion. Holy Communion. Taking the Lord's Supper. There's healing there. And of course the eighth way is gifts of healings. Working of miracles. Gift of faith. You know of the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. Six of them are connected to healings and miracles. So these things are powerful. Now. Now I'm going to tell you how to minister to the sick. Say when you, most, most often it'll be, you know, sometimes you'll be in a situation when somebody is sick. Just be bold and stop there. Can I pray for you? You'll be amazed. People are very open to receiving prayer. Sometimes I go to the restaurant and the Lord prompts me and I ask the waitress, is there anything I can pray for? And they tell me they want prayer. People want prayer. Amen. Amen. I mean, it was, I think it was day before yesterday, we were in the hotel in Sarasota. And we were just sitting, we had just eaten, finished breakfast, we were talking and, and, uh, and um, Annie Durant said, Brother Christopher, could you pray for my mom? Her hearing, she can, I mean, I don't know what it was. She had problems with her hearing and she couldn't hear. It was very difficult. She could be sitting in a group and not hear. So I said, okay. So we prayed for her. And God opened her ears. And she, she said, I'm healed. I can hear perfectly now. So Annie's mom says, I'm healed. And then, then what happened? Then, uh, yeah, I, I prophesied over a couple of people. And then Annie's mom, she's 90 years old. She gets up and begins to run around the hotel, you know, the restaurant in the hotel. And she's shouting and running. Then the hotel staff came running. One lady said, can I join in? Can I join in? We said, please come. When the Holy Spirit genuinely moves, people want it. Amen. People want it. So take every opportunity you get to be bold and pray for the sick. Use your faith. Put your faith out. And you know, you go to a word of faith church. You've heard the word for years. How many of you have been here five years? Let me see your hand. So if you've been here five years, you know a lot. How many of you have been here two years? You, you know a lot. I mean, if you have heard the word sitting in ch church like this for years, you know way more than many people do out there. So you can put these things into practice by stepping out in faith. No, but some of the greatest opportunities you'll get is to going to people's homes. When you find that somebody is sick, you just say, can I come to your home and pray for you? Give them a call. You hear somebody is sick, right? So and so is sick. Call them. Can I come to your house? Can I come and pray for you? Do that. Sometimes I pray over the phone. I, I see people healed over the phone. Same thing, because prayer doesn't know any distance. Hmm? Once I was in Beijing in China, and, uh, uh, and people were getting healed in, in the church service. So a lady came up, Chinese lady. She said, can you pray for my mom? What's wrong with her? Well, she was something. I don't know. I think she was deaf or something. And so I said, where is she? She said, like 3,000 kilometers away, on the other end of China, 2,000 miles away. I said, okay, so she held up the phone close to my mouth and I was just praying a general prayer. And right there, her mother got healed there. 
You can pray for people over the phone. I mean, <laughs> there are lots of things, lots of ways you can minister to people. Go to their home, lay hands on their sick. If they say, no, I know, I'm not feeling well, all that, sometimes people don't want you to come to the house. Okay, let me pray for you over the phone. Pray for them over the phone. Do the, but you know what? Let me tell you this. You will never see results if you don't do these things. Hmm? You, will never, you will never see results if you don't do these things for any reason, including the fear of failure. Many people have this fear, you know. I mean, that's not faith. That before you even pray, you have already decided nothing is going to happen. Come on. You have to take those opportunities you have. So every sick person you know, that is an opportunity for you. Amen. So the first thing you do is preach the word. Preach the word to them. Share the word of God. It doesn't have to be anything profound. Simple. Depends upon their condition. Some people are so sick, you know, they can only take this much. But give them this much. Give them what they can handle. Give them the word. Preach the word. Isaiah 55 talks about the power of the word. It says, so shall it be with the word that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish the purpose for which it was sent. The word of God is so powerful that when the word of God is spoken, it shall never return back empty, but it shall accomplish the purpose for which it was sent. It was sent. Amen? So, Speak the word. Always speak the word and believe that every time you speak the word of God with your mouth, something is going to happen. Remember that the word of God in your mouth is as powerful as the word of God in God's mouth. The word of God coming out of your mouth is just as powerful as the word of God coming out of God's mouth because it is not about you, it is about the word. Amen. So never be, never shy away from speaking the word, but speak the word and say, Lord, I have spoken your word and now I am letting your word do its work. And the word always works. Amen. So you build on the word and then if the gifts begin to move, that's fine, you know. And the more, you see, the more you experience this, the more you uh, you pray for the sick, the more you give yourself to praying for the sick, the more you will see the flow of the Spirit and you'll get words of knowledge and prophecies and what have you, you know, the gifts of the Spirit. But it, it, it follows the word. The gifts follow the word. So the more you preach the word, the more the gifts will follow. Now, when you speak the word, what happens? You implant faith into people's hearts. Amen. And then you pray for the sick. Now, when you're praying for the sick, sometimes the Lord will show you that it's a spirit of infirmity. Like when I pray for deaf people, many times it's just a deafness. There's broken eardrum or inner ear or whatever. You know, there's different parts. For example, they, they are just not working. They're sick or infirm. But at times the Lord will tell me, there's a deaf spirit. Now, how do you know that? You just know. It's an inner knowing. Now, is, it, is there ever a time when you don't know? Oh, yeah. There's many times I don't know. So, you know what I do? I do both. I say, I do everything. I say, Lord, if anything is missing, I ask you for a creative miracle. If something or sick, is sick or infirm, heal them. And if it's a spirit of infirmity, I command you to come out in Jesus' name. So I have all my bases covered, knowing that one of them is going to work. It works, you know. <laughs> Do what works. Amen? But sometimes you just know it. The Lord will show you it's a spirit of infirmity. It doesn't mean they're demon-possessed. It's just a spirit. Because just like evil spirits can afflict a person's mind, they can sometimes afflict a certain part of it person's body. Sometimes I've seen uh, the evil spirits can actually move from one part of the body to the other. 
I've seen, I prayed for one guy, his knee was completely locked. I prayed for his knee and it was interesting. He fell on the ground and his knee began to jump like this, like there was something inside it. And then that demon left his knee and moved to and said, oh my, that devil is here. I said, okay, leave him, leave his body and come back no more in the name of Jesus. Then he was healed. So sometimes, you know, it's things like this, but you, but you deal with those things, okay? And uh, then you pray to the Father in the name of Jesus when you pray for the sick. And then you have to rebuke the disease. At times you have to speak to the disease as you're speaking to a person and rebuke and curse the disease. And do this with commanding power. Because one thing about moving in the power of God, it's about Authority, spiritual authority is positional. It is, when I say positional, I mean it depends upon where you see yourself. If you see yourself seated together with Christ at the right hand of God, then you have authority. But if you see yourself as, you know, many Pentecostals say, oh, I'm a sinner saved by grace. You know, you've never graduated past that Kindergarten level, you know. I am, I am, not that I was a sinner, but you know, Pentecostals love to say that. But it sounds so humble. It's not that I was, I, w- I would be okay if they said I was a sinner saved by grace. But I am a sinner saved by grace. So they've never graduated past that sinner level. I am a sinner saved by grace. So you're placing yourself somewhere down there. Right? And then you try to minister from that position. The devil will laugh at you. But it's all positional. It's where you place yourself. So which is our rightful place? It is in Christ Jesus. At the right hand of the Father. Amen. And we have the right to use the name of Jesus. And we have the right to command the devil to leave. And we can tell the devil in the name of Jesus. Leave. And he has to leave. So it's all positional. Authority. Spiritual authority is positional. And that's why you have to build yourself up about who you are in Christ. Who you, you know, there's teaching on that. Who we are in Christ. And you have to build yourself that. And that's where you take your place. And that's, you know, spiritual authority over devils and diseases is always positional. Amen. Now, when you have done that, they have to follow up people. Follow up people. If someone says, oh, I have a slight improvement, or sometimes they'll say, I don't feel anything. Well, you follow up. Just teach them. Keep on speaking the word of God. As long as they're alive, keep on preaching the word of God. Keep on sharing the word of God. Some people get it at once. Other people, it takes time. I don't know why. People, you know, you, you know in your life experience, it is like that. You try to explain things to people. Some people get it at once. Other people, it just takes longer. But you... You just, in the same way, same with the word of God. You share the word of God. Some people get it in the spirit at once. Some people don't. You just stay with it and just keep on teaching, keep on preaching the word of God until they get it. Amen. Now, I want to finish with this. Ministering to the suffering. Ministering to the suffering. And I want to give you scripture, two scriptures. Matthew chapter 11. It says, Matthew 28 and 30, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Faith is never intended to put a burden on people. Are you with me? Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest into your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And in Matthew 12, 20, talks about Jesus. It says, a bruised reed shall he not break, and a smoking flax shall he not quench, till he sent forth judgment into victory. And, you know, 
there are, look, there are people who have suffered. People who have been abused, people who have suffered. And when you minister to such people, you do it with a spirit of gentleness. Because you understand one thing, that Jesus loves them. Amen? That Jesus loves them. Then there are times when, um, you know, I wish it wasn't so, but we live in a fallen world where things are not perfect. Like I can give an example. I was in Amman, Jordan, and the pastor said, we have a very godly man in our church. Would you please come and pray for him? So I said, sure. So he took me to the home, and this was a man of prayer, a good man. I went to the house. The whole family was there. They were all crying. Please pray for him. So I walked into the man's bedroom, and he was lying there. So I asked everybody to leave so I could talk to him. And I said, brother, what do you want? He says, I've been sick so long, brother. I just want to go to be with Jesus. He said, but my family, they won't let me go. I know they love me. They, that's why they don't want to let me go. I said, so is that what you want? You want to go home to be with Jesus? You want to go to heaven? He said, yeah, that's what I want. So I went out and I gathered the family together. I said, you know, I've talked to him and he just wants to go to heaven, but you guys are holding him back and, you know, he has prolonged suffering. And I think the best thing we could do is just pray and release him so that he goes to be with Jesus. Because that is far better than anything else. You know, we must, you see, when, when you face things like this, then you are faced with this realization, the eternal perspective of the gospel. Because often we think of life here. You know, is it defeat or victory, life or death? You know, if someone doesn't get healed, we think it's a defeat. And we, but it doesn't end. This life is a drop in the bucket compared to eternity. And if someone has suffered a long time or he, sometimes people have a glimpse of heaven. Just, there's no defeat in letting them go. So I went in, laid hands on him, and prayed for him. I let him go. And in a very short time, he was gone. Sometimes you just have to do that. And when that happens, what do you do? Well, the Bible says, we weep with the family. We mourn with them. Amen? When I came out of Rama, I was young. You know, when you're young, you think you know everything, but you're also stupid, you know? <laughs> if someone died, oh, I would go there and tell them. Well, you never did that, Pastor. But this is what I did. I would tell, give them all the reasons why they died. If they had done this, he would still be alive. I was so stu I was stupid. I, I would tell people, well, if he had confessed right, if you guys had believed right, anyway. But then I realized I was stupid. That's not what the Bible tells us. The Bible says you go and weep with those who weep, you mourn with those who mourn, and rejoice with those who rejoice. So ultimately, that's, you know, when you healing ministry, that's also a part of healing ministry. Sometimes you have to release people to go to be with the Lord. But as long as they have a will to live and to be healed, you should fight with them all the way. Because it's worth fighting for. Amen. And sometimes it takes a lot. I mean, you've got, you got difficult cases. Sometimes I have, uh, I have very, very difficult Cases like a child who's born with a handicap. What do you do? Well, I tell, this is what I tell the parents. I say, let's, let's start believing God for one thing at a time. Sometimes the doctor says, well, he'll never walk. He'll never do this. He'll never do I say, let's, let's take one thing at a time. Okay, let's, let's believe that, that he will be able to speak. Let's believe God. Then you believe God for this. We believe God that he'll be able to walk. You know, you, you believe for, it depends upon the child. So you, you believe God for those little things. But each little thing is a big thing. It's a battle and you fight through. You fight through and sometimes it can take a long, long time. But that's what life and ministry is all about. You walk with people. 
Sometimes with, for years and you, you stand with them and you speak the word of God every time you see them. You know, you, they come to church with that child. You lay hands on that child. You bless that child. Speak the word of God over him. Never get used to them and say, okay, that's the parents with the handicapped child. No. Every time you have a word for that child, you speak the word of God over that child. You confess the word of God over that child. And then you, you believe God for, you know. And that is what we do. That's a part of healing ministry. So there are instant miracles at the other end of the spectrum. There are miracles that take a long time that are a big fight. But we, we do those things because Jesus bore all those diseases. Every kind of disease, every kind of infirmity that can afflict any human being. Our Lord Jesus, he bore all of them. And we should never give up. We should always speak faith and always speak the word of God. Always live in expectation and right there you know, things happen. Amen. You know, if you read in the Bible, you read about the suddenlies of God. You know, suddenly there was the sound of a mighty rushing wind. Suddenly this happened. Now if you all look at the suddenlies, they didn't just come suddenly and unexpected. They were all preceded by faith and prayer. The day of Pentecost, they had been praying in the upper room for a whole week. So the suddenlies of God are not suddenlies in the sense that nobody's expecting anything and boom, God comes in with something. But the suddenlies, it's the time that is a suddenly. But they're not suddenlies in the sense that, you know, they just, it just came. They come as a result of prayer and faith. Amen. Praise God. Let's all stand up together. Let's lift up our hands to God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. We thank you, Father. We thank you. And there's a lot more to be said about these things, but if you study the scriptures, you'll find out. You know, if you hear that there's gold in a certain place, that's what you're looking for. And when you dig, that's what you'll find. Amen? So, the scriptures are so full of life. So full of wonderful things of all kinds. So if you're looking for healing, say, God, I want you to use me to heal the sick. You'll find that kind of gold in the scriptures. You study the scriptures and you'll see that gold. It's all over the place. So I would encourage you to uh, really study the word of God, study the scriptures and you look for gold, you'll find gold. Amen. Because people around us are suffering. People, I mean, people are suffering these days. Believe me. And uh, I see it all the time and I kind of jump in. Whenever I hear somebody is sick, I, even someone I don't know, I contact them. I said, I'm here praying for you. And I really do. And if you need, if you need to talk to somebody, to pray with you over the phone, I'm here. I'm available. People need us. We got something that the world needs. Amen. We got something that the world needs. So, you know, as Christians, we are, it's not just about us, but it's about the people around us, uh, how we can reach them and show them the love of God. People, you know, most of, of course, people need to be saved. But miracles are a door opener. They're a great door opener for people to be saved. I can tell you many stories when I've prayed for even sinners, you know, who are not saved and just prayed for them. And because I prayed for them, they've been healed. They have come and received Jesus. So you use these opportunities. God will give you, as I said, you look for gold, you'll find gold. If you look for opportunities to minister to people, God will give you, believe me, he will give you many opportunities to pray for people. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. 
If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.